The Healthy Golf Podcast, Episode 19, with Gary Boys. Welcome to the Healthy Golf Podcast, a podcast designed to help you transform your golf game and your life. Join your host, Dr. Joe O, as he chats with experts on all things golf performance to keep you feeling great and playing your best on and off the course. Hey guys, Joe here. Before we get started with the episode, I wanted to let you know that the interview with Gary was really long. It was about an hour and a half long, so I decided to split it up into two episodes. So this episode will be part one of the interview with Gary. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Healthy Golf Podcast, and today we have technically not our first returning uh, guest. Uh, Andrew has been a return guest on the monthly mash that we do, but our first returning guest that is not Andrew is uh, Gary Boys from The Mind Zone. Welcome, Gary. Thanks so much, Joe. Great to be here again. Great to have you. I think your episode was one of the best episodes uh, that we've done in the past. And for anyone who hasn't uh, listened to that yet, it is episode 12. Um, and on that episode, we talked mainly about finding your process and always kind of getting back to your process to kind of reset your mind, especially after a, a bad or an errant shot that you may have had on the course. Um, but me and Gary were talking kind of just via social media and um, we got to talking about doing another episode together and even more in the future. Um, but this episode we are going to be, we asked people on social media what they wanted to have uh, answered in terms of mindset in terms of golf and you know what they can learn and so we got a, a good handful of questions here some are along the same topic but um, gary can get more into that but before we get started with those i just wanted to give uh, gary just a little time to just kind of give him uh give himself a little brief introduction and kind of who he is and what he does so go ahead gary thanks joe um well for those that haven't called up with me before um i've run the mind zone uh very much based on the power of what you've got between your ears, uh, which I've always said is a phenomenal piece of kit. Your mind is a phenomenal piece of kit that, um, uh, again, another little strap line of mine, can be your greatest friend in the world. It can also be your greatest enemy. And it's no sort of, um, I, I don't know, no, no, can't think of the word to use. Um, when you're on the golf course, if everything's going fine, you're not actually when you think about it you're not thinking about the golf when you hit a couple of bad shots then what happens to you you're then thinking about those bad shots you're standing over the next shot with that on your mind so the mind zone is about um, improving your golf um, by using the power of your mind doesn't mean you can just think you're going to hit a good shot although i would recommend it uh, so please go to your teaching pro. There's some fantastic PGA teaching pros out there. Please go and, and practice your skill um, and, and practice efficiently, which, again, we may touch on tonight, Joe, um, or um, get out there and play. But think about what's going on up here. So over the next um, however long we're going to be on for, Joe, tonight, uh, we'll try and order, uh, put, put in some order, what people can do when they're out on the golf course. Sounds great. I, just a quick brief overview. I've definitely been doing some of the things that we talked about um, from your previous episode, um, talking about, you know, at least remembering those three good shots and writing good. them down. Um, 
definitely this past weekend. I, I played twice, Friday and Saturday. Friday, I played a course that I played before. Front nine was uh-huh. the, one of the best front nines I've ever played. And Brilliant. I think because I thought about it, I was like, all right, well, I got to keep this going. And then something happened. Yes. And then the first three holes on the back nine, I just totally imploded. And I just mm-hmm. kept thinking about like, okay, well, I'm going to get over this. And then another bad shot, right? I just kept thinking about it too much. Yeah. I finally yeah. pulled it together a little bit on like the last three holes. But, and then, geez, the, the other course was a new course I've never played before. Definitely much more challenging. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know what it was, but I was just struggling off the tee box. And I just kept trying like, all right, well, just forget that shot. And yeah. I don't know. Some something just kept haunting me on the tee box that day. It was not good. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it, it's an uh, again a phenomenal piece of kit. You've gone up here, but if it's misused, um, then it can cause havoc with your game and, of course, with your life as well. Very true. All right, so let's get into some of these questions here. Okay. Um, like I said, there are some that are have similar topics, but Gary may have uh, some different ways to go about them. Um, but we'll just go in the order I gave them to you, Gary. Um, the okay. first question was basically uh, along the lines of how to stay focused for 18 holes. Mm-hmm. And they were specifically asking uh, what, in quotations, what comeback clue is there for this? I guess if they mm-hmm. kind of start to lose their focus on the 18 holes. Um, what can they do to help bring themselves back so they can get focused on the course? Yes, yes. Okay, um, that's something that probably affects every golfer out there, especially if you're playing in hot temperatures. Uh, because what happens is 18 holes of golf, uh, if it's anything like the UK, Joe, we are talking as a four ball, maybe an average of four hours. Sometimes it's four and a half, sometimes it's three and a half, but let's say an average of four hours. That's a long time to be out on the course, walking around uh, in the sunshine. And what happens to many people is they lose focus. And and again, I'll ask people to start to take statistics of their cards with the the new world handicap system. We're going to have to start doing this anyway. But it was interesting you said to me when you played last Friday, you were playing really well on the front nine, 10, 11, 12, it started to go a little bit wrong. That's not unusual because you're two hours into the round and what happens to many people is we become dehydrated uh, and we don't have enough energy. And you will know so many people that walk off 18 holes and they say, I'm absolutely worn out, I'm tired or lethargic or whatever. I tend to come off and, and by, I'm, I'm not a young man, Joe. I'm, I'm not as young as you. Um, but I come off the 18 holes and I often jokingly say to my, my playing partners, should we go around again? Let's go and do another nine. Because strangely enough, I feel as good when I finish the, the course as when I go out there. And how do I do it? And again, I would urge everyone listening to this, please go and do it. Keep yourself hydrated. Keep yourself stocked up with energy. Water, um, there there are some great energy drinks out there, um, but I'm going to turn around and say, drink water. You know, there's these energy drinks with isotonic stuff, this, that, and the other. I would avoid most definitely sugar drinks. 
So soda, um, Coca-Cola, lemonades, Fantas, Tangos, and there's others. Uh, I'm not uh, <laughs> I'm not being brand specific here, but any, any of those sugary drinks, what will happen, you'll get a sugar spike. And Joe, you're the expert on this with your fitness. So you'll get a sugar spike and you will be all over the place and full of energy for the next hole. And then you'll suddenly have a slump. So if you just drink water, and again, I'll recommend this, take a little bit of water, a couple of half litre bottles uh, in your bag. And every three holes, just take a sip. And, you know, when I say that to people, they say, yeah, but I'm not thirsty. I don't want to drink. If you're thirsty, it's too late. You're already dehydrated. So just literally every three holes, and you could even mark it on your card initially to get you into the habit. Just mark on there. Oh, third hole. I've just finished that. Sip of water. After six, six holes, sip of water. Because what it does, it rehydrates your body. And if you imagine in your brain or the, the brain cells, you're effectively plumping up those brain cells with moisture. When they dry out, and I'm no scientist, but when they dry out, that's when you start to become lethargic, tired, and you can't concentrate. And that's often when we start to hit bad shots. Energy-wise, um, I always, in, in my golf bag, have a banana or two bananas. Uh, if it's a hot day, I'll take two bananas, one for each half. So I'll consume one on the front line, one on the back. And again, not in one go. Every third hole, take a bite, put it back in. If you don't like bananas, um, the other thing I would say to someone is um, maybe some nuts, some almonds. Again, not dry roasted peanuts or salted peanuts, but some nice natural nuts, which is effectively slow release energy. And if you just have a mouthful of those every third hole and some water, what will happen is um, you'll retain your energy levels and your hydration levels. So that's a, an absolute must in terms of um, not hitting a bad shot um, in, or in, in terms of keeping your focus throughout the round. 18 holes, four hours. Yeah, it's a long time. You try doing anything for four hours. Um, but when you think about those four hours, you're not actually playing golf for four hours, are you? You're, you're probably playing, if you said, how, how long am I playing golf for over those four hours? You're probably playing five or six minutes at most. Because the only time you're playing golf is when you're actually hitting the ball. So in between, just chill out, just relax, take on some water, take on some energy, and you'll find that you can focus for the whole 18. Does that help, Joe? Oh, yeah, that's great. I would say that I'm a big proponent of exactly what you said in terms of hydration and nutrition. Yeah. I um, bring with me a 32 ounce bottle of water. I put, mm -hmm. um, this is all coming from, for anyone who's listening, comes from Robert Yang, who is yeah. a nutritionist and he does a lot of work with TPI. I would love to get him on the show at some point. Um, but I mean, you need to be drinking a good amount of water. I make sure that I'm pretty hydrated beforehand. Mm. Um, and then the 32 ounces is usually enough to get me through a uh, round and yeah. it definitely depends on the weather. That's for sure. If it's hotter, it may not be enough, especially mm -hmm. with right now. I mean, normally you could probably fill up cause they have, you know, water jugs throughout the course where you could, you know, refill. And unfortunately yes. that's not an option most of the times right now, 
yeah. with the virus and everything. But, um, you know, drinking water, I would totally agree. Don't drink any yeah. of those sugar things. Not only nope. is it just a huge sugar spike, but the dyes and different things that are in there are also uh, inhibit water absorption. Mm -hmm. So that's not going to be very good for whatever you're drinking anyway. Um, and then in terms of nutrition, I probably bring more food than anybody else that I ever see on a course. I usually have like a banana or two bananas, like you said, or yeah. a banana and an apple with some nuts, mm -hmm. usually almonds and like some sunflower seeds. And then if I have, I usually don't have, um, just for my own personal reasons. Um, I usually don't have any kind of bread, um, more so for the gluten aspect, but, um, sometimes I will make like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, um, and bring that with me too. Well, um, do you know that there is a uh, very well-known golfer that apparently that is his favorite sandwich on the golf that course. That is. And I'm sure yeah. you know that is. <laughs> yes. Tiger Woods, right? So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I yeah. think uh, Justin Thomas does it as well. I don't know if he's modeled it after uh, Tiger either, <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, I usually, I mean, those are great ways to stay focused. There, there was a study. Um, I don't know all the facts and figures behind it, but it had to do with hydration. They were pretty good golfers and basically even just the slightest bit of dehydration affected the golfers ability to hit greens Yes. Um, accuracy of shots and yeah. also even their uh, decision making. So their distances in terms of their clubs and everything was off. So staying hydrated is huge. And I think is such a low hanging fruit that a lot of people can make sure that they hit so that yeah. they can probably play their best. Um, and it's not really hard to do, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. I, I think you're, you're absolutely spot on with, with what you've said there, Joe. Um, the, the amount of times I go out on a golf course and someone will say, has anyone got a spare water? They haven't brought it out. And, you know, and, and I've always got water in the bag and I've got some form of energy. Um, and for anyone listening to this, we're, we're not just making this up. Uh, as Joe said, there are scientific the, the research has been carried out over years and years. And they do test cases, right? Great golfer, great golfer. You go and play and don't drink any water. You go and play and hydrate take on energy, etc., And the results, they're not surprising to me, uh, probably not surprising to you, Joe, but it makes a massive difference. And when you consider um, golf is all about fractions and, and small margins, if you could save one shot or two shots, you possibly would have won the competition last week. It's yeah. uh, what we're talking about. You know, it's, yep. it's about shots. So. Yep. There we are. Um, someone like uh, Bryson DeChambeau. I mean, watch any of these pros on, on the TV. Uh, probably quite apt to talk about Bryson tonight because he's um, our new US Open champion. Um, yep. Surrounded by controversy, and there's a lot of haters out there, which I really don't get. I really don't get. The guy won either. the um, And I know he hits it a long way, but so do all the others. But he was chipping and he was putting. Um, and you know that the guy that, that shoots the best score wins. Um, and I, I don't get all the hate that's out there, Joe. It's, it's, I don't either. It's, I think part of it has to do with like his, um, I don't even know what to call it, but, um, I guess attitude towards some of the rules officials, I guess sometimes in certain tournaments this year, but yeah. I mean, let's put it this way, Bryson, 
along with a lot of other professional golfers, although it's been highlighted a lot with recently with Bryson, Mm. he has developed a process that he wanted to follow and it's uh, unorthodox currently in Mm. current golf performance training. Um, and it's working for him and people seem to not like it. And, um, usually that happens when it's not typical. Um, but let's put it this way. I mean, look, it'd be one thing if Bryson won all of the tournaments leading up to this, but he has not, I mean, he's done much better than he has in the past. I mean, that was his goal to get, to get better. And I'm sure that's what a majority of the pros on tour want to do, but Let's put it this way. He has not won every tournament. He's done really well, but he has not won every single one. And yes, he won this one despite what the grounds crew at Wingfoot wanted to happen, basically, and have a you know a winning score be like plus eight or whatever they said yeah. they wanted. But even though he was hitting it really far, if you looked at where his strokes gained most were, they were uh, iron approach yeah. shots. Yeah, and putting, I believe, were his two highest strokes yeah. gained um, mm-hmm. over driving distance and even chipping slash short game. So, yeah. Yeah. let's put it this way: he was more accurate and a better putter than everyone else that was out there. So, no one else can complain about that. And he was in the rough just as much as anyone else was. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's unfortunate that people hate on him, but mm-hmm. I mean, he. You know, he's found an approach that works for him. It's not going to work yeah. for everyone. Yeah. And um, it's know, I'm excited to see where it goes. <laughs> it's really interesting, Joe, how many now tee it up at the Masters in November, a couple of months away, um, and start bombing um, shots down there and taking their chances. Who yeah, knows? it's going to be. I mean, it's clearly evident that driving distance, the closer you are to the hole, the better likely chance of a lower score you're going to have. And that just makes sense, doesn't it? Right. I mean, a wedge shot or a, or a lower iron shot is much easier to make than a longer iron shot. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, um, interesting. interesting. It will be, it will be very interesting. I would yeah. be interested to see, I don't know, hopefully, uh, hopefully people don't get too up in arms about changing the ball or all this other stuff. I mean, Everyone else is hitting it long too. He's not the only one. Yeah, oh, so. It's not if he's got an advantage. He, he's, he's worked on it. He's taken his strategy, his process, and it's worked for him. But going yeah. back to what we said earlier, watch any of those pros on there, Joe. They're all eating and drinking regularly, and they they make sure their caddies have got ample supplies in, the, in their bags. Oh, yeah. Without oh, yeah. Mm. All right. Next question is about focus again. However, a slightly different. Um, this one is... How do you stay focused when things are going really well? Mm, mm. What a lovely problem to have. Yeah. So just like what I did uh, this past weekend, basically. How, how can I, although I feel like I didn't lose focus. I just, I don't know what happened, but yeah. Well, let's go back to, um, let's go back to Bryson and the US Open. Um, he opened up a six shot lead in the end. That would have been very, and, and things were going well for him. He, he, he was playing well. Things would have been very easy for him to just relax. I think, well, I've got six shots and I've, I've only got four holes to play. Uh, but no, he was sticking to his process and he was still trying to birdie every hole that, that he possibly could. Um, so going back to 
how do you keep it going? Um, it's something I would call, and it might come into one of the other questions later, Joe. It's something I would call staying in neutral. Staying in neutral. Um, let me just explain in terms of the, the mind, and I often say this on mind zone uh, sessions that I run. You've got this phenomenal mind up here that can actually time travel. Uh, it can go back in time, it can go forwards in time. And if, uh, if anyone's listening now, or if you're listening when, uh, when, when you release this uh, as a podcast, Joe, if you just in your mind now think about what you're doing tomorrow, in the morning, some of you may be going to work, you might be getting up having breakfast, uh, you're thinking about what you're going to have for breakfast, um, and probably in your mind right now, you're thinking and, and actually seeing in your mind whatever you're having for breakfast, cereal, fruit, toast, well, whatever you're going to have. That proves that your mind can jump forward. Now, if you've got a, a if it's anything like the UK, Joe, doctors, dentists, everything's done on Zoom at the moment. Um, but in normal times, if you had an appointment or you've got a party to go to this weekend, um, and I mentioned that party, you might be thinking, oh, yeah, what am I going to wear? What time do I need to be there? So your mind jumps forward so that you can prepare. Your mind can also jump backwards. So if I said to you, um, and it happened that the anniversary was only 10 days ago now, um, in New York, the Twin Towers, 9-11. Australia, as soon as I say that, if you're listening now, um, you will possibly, if you're of a certain age, know exactly where you were, what you were doing when you first heard about the strike on the Twin Towers. Now, when you consider that was 19 years ago now, that's phenomenal. That's up in your mind. So I've just taken you forward, a bit of time travel to tomorrow morning's breakfast or whatever you're doing next weekend. But I'm also taking you back in time, 19 years. So your mind can time travel. The danger is when you're playing golf, um, you have other partners, other people around you that unwittingly will start your mind going into overdrive. And let's say you're on a par four, you hit a good drive, you then hit an iron to the, to the green, and you're about four foot from the flag. Tell me. What's on your mind now? Well, go on, Joe, you tell me. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say basically that, you know, I mean, four feet from the hole, I mean, you want to make birdie, basically, yeah. right? And that's going to be what that's going to be what's on your mind, right? Like, can't miss this putt means within four feet, Absolutely. it's a must make. And as you're walking down the fairway, you can see the ball and you think, oh, wow, that's fantastic. What a birdie. Well, what a birdie chance. So your mind is now going forward. And you've already hold that part in your mind. And then all your your playing partners turn around really helpfully and say, great shot that was, great shot, birdie chance. So there's even more pressure on you. So you step up to the ball and you line it up. Do you know what most people do? They leave it short. Because they think it's a birdie putt, I can't race it, race it past. Why don't they treat it like any other putt, whether it's a four-foot putt or a 40-foot putt, and go through their process and line the ball up and walk around and just check. I'm not suggesting we do a Bryson and get the greens book out, um, but there's a, there's a reason that he does that, even on, on short putts. But line your putt up, go through your process, 
and much greater chance of you converting that birdie. It won't always go in. Don't worry about it. Take a par any day. But of course, because of our mind is going backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, the danger is things are going really well. I've hit a great shot in there. Straight away, your mind says, birdie chance, birdie chance. Try and just remove that from your mind. Say, it was a great shot. Thanks very much. Possibly one I'm going to write down afterwards as a great shot. But go up to the ball and just go through your process. You know, line it, mark it, clean it, line it up. Go through your process. And if you look at the pros, um, the, the, certainly the great putters out there, that's exactly what they do. And they go through the same process, whether it's for an eagle, a birdie, um, a par, a bogey, a double bogey, whatever. It's damage limitation. And just go through your process. So you've got to try and rein your mind in from being really positive and saying things are going so well today um, to staying in neutral. So instead of going in first gear or reverse gear, just stay in neutral. Okay, great shot. Thanks very much. I'll take that. Let's go and play it again. Let's go play the next one. Perfect. There's another big word out there. Uh, we may have touched on this last time, Joe. I'm not sure. Momentum. And everyone experiences this when you're playing really well, you get the rub of the green, things go well for you. Um, I played yesterday uh, with some pals of mine at my local club. And it's uh, I, I make a bit of a joke about it now because I've stuck one out. Um, it was going to go out of bounds. And as I've hit it, I've just said, hit the tree, hit the tree, hit the tree. And it's hit the tree and it's popped out onto the fairway, onto the short stuff. Fantastic. What do my playing partners say? Only you can do that. Only you can do that. But, you know, I have far more luck with hitting things, up, you know, because I believe it's going to happen. I believe it's going to happen. If you've got time, I'll, t I'll tell you a very short story, um, Joe, from probably two or three weeks back, a par four. Uh, out of bounds, all on the right. You're probably picturing this in your head now. Par four, out of bounds, all on the right. There's a pond in front of the um, uh, of the green. So the idea is you've got to hit a, a slight uh, left to right shot. Uh, I overcooked it and I was going out of bounds. But it's hit a tree and it's fallen back onto the fairway. I've then taken a fairway. I'm a long way back. I've taken a fairway wood. And the only way you get over this pond is over a, a bridge. And I've hit this wood and I saw it heading. It wasn't a great hit. It was heading towards a bridge. And I just shouted, get over the bridge. My two playing partners absolutely creased up. They thought I'm going to the pond. It's hit the bridge. It's gone over the bridge. It's ended up in a bunker in front of the green. I've got it out of the bunker and now at about a 10 foot putt walked off with a par and they said only you can do that but do you know what joe i honestly believe wherever you are if you believe you're going to do something it won't always happen but far greater chance of it actually happening most people will stand there and say oh that's too too far if i hit the bridge i know it's going to go in the woods or in the pond or whatever and that's often what happens so go back to your your question joe or, or the the um 
lovely person that sent in that question. How do you stay focused when things are going well? Exactly the same as you stay focused if they're not going so well. Process, 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 process. And just put it, put it to the back of your mind. Think what you want to do with the ball every time rather than what you don't want to do with the ball. Yep. Always got to stay positive and that's one of the best things that you can do and have, have some conviction in your thought too. Like you were saying, and if, you know, like this is what's going to happen. And, yeah. um, yeah. I did, this will probably come out next week, but I have a blog post at some point coming out mm. prepped for a while out from now, but we talked about, um, me just getting into like residency. And I mean, I didn't even get in yet, but I had this thought that I was going to get in yeah. and, you know, I did eventually get in mm. uh, on the first try, but like, I had no idea I was going to get in. I just kept telling myself that I was going to, but all of those things led to actions that I took to make sure that I did get in. Yeah. Obviously what we're talking about on the golf course is slightly different. Um, well, it's, it's still Joe, it's still this, uh, and I'm, Massively into all these things, um, certainly NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, um, affirmations. Uh, people will have heard of The Secret, the book The Secret, um, and the law law of attraction. And, and if you put some good stuff out there, please don't ask me how it happens. There's a certain amount that I know what does happen, but I know it does happen. And if you wish for good things, more, far more chance of having good things if you wish and focus on the bad stuff you're probably right as well i think it was henry ford wasn't it said years ago um whether you think you're right or whether you think you're wrong either way you're right you're, right. you're correct yeah. Yeah. Uh, so i'm massively into um i know you use the word positive i've started to veer away i, I understand what people mean by thinking positive but the problem with positivity in golf is you can walk onto the first tee having been fantastic on the range in the practice and you have a bad first hole and all that positivity just drains out of you so i i like to use the word staying neutral so you're not positive you're not negative you're going through your process um be positive when you're back in the clubhouse with a, a great score on the card that you're going to put into the competition I like it. I like that. Good. Good. Um, all right. We might have. Just with, go for it. Perfect. We might have just answered this question. Um, you could tell me if there's anything else you want to add to it. Okay. Um, but the person had asked, uh, what's the best way to keep emotions in check, such as not getting too high when things are clicking and vice versa? Mm hmm. Um, again, it's uh, we probably have just answered that. I, I hope we have anyway. It, it is it's that process, you know. Have a process, and I mentioned Bryson earlier with his Greens book and the amount of times that people turned around and said, "Oh, come on!" I've, I've seen it all over social media, Twitter. He's got a three foot putt, which, to be honest, for these pros, is, is bread and butter. The, the Greens are so good; it's bread and butter. But you watch him every time. He gets the green, Greens book out, looks at it, puts it away, goes to part. That's his process. If I go back to the Masters 
four years ago, maybe, when Danny Willett uh, won. Um, if anyone remembers, and, and again, you can, if you go onto YouTube, you'll see this. Uh, Willett had a process. He's caddy. They had a great caddy that day. Um, but he's on the 17th and he's realizing that he could actually win this. And if you go back to what we've just said about how do you control your emotions when when you think you can actually win the Masters? Well, you go through your process. And if you watch Willett on the 17th tee, he goes to hit a ball. And I think it's either a pigeon flies over or someone in the crowd makes a noise. And his caddy says one word, reset. So he picks his ball up. He goes to the back of the tee with his caddy. His caddy now gets the yardage book out again and they start to go through it. Bearing in mind, he's done this 30 seconds before, but that's his process. So he looks at the yardage book. He says, OK, what we need to do is this, this and this. Puts the yardage book away, steps up to the tee and off he goes. And again, will it hit a great shot then? Um, but... Your emotions work both ways, of course. You get excited when you're having a really good round. Um, when you're having not such a good round, it's we, we think it's going to get worse. Um, the other thing I would suggest is, and I haven't got a spare scorecard here, but if you imagine me holding a scorecard up, when you come off after nine holes, and for years people always said, well, you play two nines. No, we don't. We play 18 holes of golf. If people come off after nine holes, Automatically, they stand on the 10th tee, they start adding up. There's no rhyme or reason why we should add up after nine. Why not do it after six? Why not do it after 14? But people will say, ah, oh, we're at the turn. Let's add them up. Now, if you've got a really good score, if you're playing Stableford points or whatever, you could be on 21, 22 points. So you're sort of four points better than your handicap. That can really play havoc up here, can't it? Because you think, oh, you've got a great score. And all your playing partners say, keep playing well, keep playing well, because you're doing really well. How much pressure are you putting on yourself for your next shot? So I offer, I know roughly in my head where I am, but I never, never announce how many points I've got. And I don't want to know how many points I've got after nine holes. Because after each hole, you either score down and you accept it. If you come in after nine holes and someone says, oh, you're not playing very well today. You've only got 10 points on Stableford. What's going to happen in the, uh, the the back nine? Well, you're probably going to score 20 points because you've given up. Your mind's given up. Oh, it's, I can't play golf today. So you relax more and it, the score doesn't become important. <laughs> you start to relax and you play better golf. So it's really, Joe, a case of doesn't matter what your score is, whether you're playing really well or not. Go through your process, and if you go through your process and you hit the shots that you need to hit, the score will take care of itself. When you come in at the end of 18 holes, if you've played well, your score will reflect that. So, yeah, for these people that say, how do I control myself when it's going well or not going well, don't worry about it. You know, let's just go and play golf. Let's hit the next shot. If you've double bogeyed the last and you shouldn't have done, I'm sorry, it's on the card. You've got to take it now. We can't go back and change it. But forget that because it's not important now. Um, we've often talked about focus. Um, in terms of focus, your mind can only be, Joe, on two things. 
at any one time. Attention, uh, sorry, your, your, your attention can be on something really, really useful to you at the time, like what club am I gonna hit next? What's my target line? Uh, where do I need the ball to land? Or it can be on something totally useless. More people think about the useless, i.e. they're standing there over the ball. I need to clear the pond. Don't go right because there's a bunker over there. Don't send it left. Don't hook it because I've been hooking all day. Don't hook it because there's trees over there and I'll never get out of it. That's no way to play golf. So in terms of your attention, uh, attention make sure it's always, well, certainly when you're over the ball, on something useful. Pick your target. Commit to the hit, as our good friend Butch Harmon always says. Commit to the hit. Choose a club that will get you there the distance or lay up whatever you need to do and commit to the hit. Does Perfect. that help? Oh, yeah, I think so. I definitely yeah. think one thing I need to stop doing is adding up my score halfway yeah. through, halfway through. Um, yeah. But, yeah, uh, I was going to say, um, man, it just escaped my mind. Um, oh, so talking about the process, I um, when I am watching uh, professional golf on TV, yes. I'm picking up nuances of like what certain professionals do, not to mimic them, but mm -hmm. I just am curious to see if they do the same thing over and over again for yeah. their process. And then I also want to see if they forget to do something or they don't do it, what yeah. the outcome of that result is. Like one thing I've noticed, uh, past few weeks when Dustin Johnson was, you know, in the limelight doing well. Yes. Before he puts, he, he takes his, his, uh, right here on his shoulder and he does that. Yeah. And then yesterday I noticed that Matthew Wolf, he'll take his thumb and he'll, he'll like clean his, the face of the putter off before he puts it down to go putt. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, I think that all just goes back to what their process is to help get them ready to, you know, perform absolutely absolutely i mean I, I love watching the pros play um the, the girls and the guys out there because yeah i want to see great shots and i, and I want to hear the ball when i used to go to tournaments but what i really love to watch now and you can see this on the tv is exactly what you've said the little processes the habits sometimes we call them anchors you know sometimes people will sort of tug an earlobe or um, just sort of put their collar up. It could be absolutely anything. Most of these people don't know they're doing it because it's become second nature. But I believe someone like Ernie Els, I've not watched Ernie for a while, but Ernie always used to, until he, he would put his glove on, but he would never do the Velcro fastening up until he was ready to hit his shot. And when he was ready and he's, he's in the mindset, he could not only see him, put the Velcro and you could hear it as well. And when he's finished his process, as he ripped the glove off, you hear the Velcro come off. Uh, so most of these pros have little things that they do. If you watch Justin Rose, uh, when he's putting, he's had a, his ball striking has not been as good as he'd wanted the last couple of years. But a couple of years ago, he was great leading the putting stats, etc. And again, whereas Dustin Johnson pulls this up, um, Justin Rose would sort of fold his, his arm in like that, which the idea was subconscious to, to keep his arm from moving out. You want someone like Bryson, 
um, he's got a lot of little nuances um, that he will do um, just to put him back in that that safe place that the again we call them anchors um, whatever it could be but it's part of his process um, it just feels good I, I suppose in much the same way as a baby a young child might have a comfort blanket um, or a favorite teddy bear or something like that ah oh, okay as soon as they've got that and they've, they've got the smells and they can see etc they feel content um, that's effectively an anchor for a baby as we grow up we don't wander around with uh, with blankets and teddy bears well not all of us anyway but we all have our own little ways of doing things um, if, I, if I go out on a training day, uh, Joe, um, I love to, uh, again, I have a process. I set the room up and I always want to get in there early so it's all ready. And then I start to pace up and down the room. And all I'm doing is talking to myself. I hate anyone coming in that room until I'm ready. Now, sometimes if it's an open course, you'll get a knock on the door and someone says, can I come in? And... I, I, I'm never rude enough to say, no, no, please stay outside. I was, of course you can come in. Or I might say, well, if you hang around the coffee machine, I'll be up and collect you. That's my time. And it's, it takes me about 20, 20 to 25 seconds just before I start delivering a training session. That's my me time that I pace up and down the room once everything's ready. If I don't do that, it plays havoc on my mind because I think I've not done my process. So process is, is everything in life, isn't it, really? It is, yep. yep. Good, good. All right, everyone, that is part one of the most recent episode with Gary. I hope this was really helpful. I'm sure we answered a lot of questions that you may be thinking that other people had asked us from social media. As always, if you guys have a question, feel free to shoot it over to me at joe at puredrivephysio.com, and I will link that up into the show notes. As always, I'm forever grateful for you guys downloading, listening, and taking the time to listen to this podcast. I also wanted to shout out, uh, I believe, Randy Watson. He left a review on iTunes, and thank you so much for doing that. I'm super grateful that you're listening and getting value out of this podcast. Um, Please share it with anyone that you feel would benefit from it. Um, But until next time, everyone, keep working hard, keep striving for excellence in everything that you do, because when you feel great, you go great.